Well, it's good to see you guys. I tell you, um, I'm backstage getting ready to come out, and it sounded a little rowdy out here. And then when I get out here, I'm super encouraged. And the reason why is because traditionally speaking in most churches, Father's Day is the worst attended Sunday of the year. Okay, no kidding. And yet, if I could have taken you to the 930 service, it was even more crowded than this. And this is probably the packed, most packed service that I have seen at the 11 o'clock hour. And so I just want to say this to all you dads out there who said it's my day and I want to be in church with my family. I think you are an awesome dad. Can we just celebrate all those dads together? Man, that's what it's about, being the spiritual leader that God has created and called you to be. Well, today we are in week two of a series. It is called Relationship Goals. Last weekend, Jeremy kicked the series off for us by just getting us on the same page, thinking in terms of the fact that relationships are really, really important. And we learned this from Jesus, right? So when somebody came up to Jesus one time, they asked him, they said, hey, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, there are actually two that you need to be thinking about. He said, you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And the second is like it. He said, you need to love your neighbor as yourself, which is Jesus' way of saying the two most important things in your life, they are both all about relationships. In fact, Jesus would go on and he would say, if you were to look at the Old Testament text, he would say the entire Old Testament law could be summed up in just these two very simple commands, love God and love your neighbor, which again is Jesus' way of saying it's all about relationships. And so I think we could all operate at least off the same page this morning by saying this, like, yes, relationships are really, really important. But I also want to acknowledge this morning that relationships are also really, really hard. And you know that from your own life experience. You don't need me to tell you that, right? My wife and I, we talk about how hard our marriage relationship is all the time. In fact, she believes that our marriage problems really are psychological. She believes that I'm the psycho part and she's the logical part, right? Any married people want to say amen to that one, right? Yes. Okay, calm down. It's Father's Day. Like, give him a little bit of a break, okay? Right? That's the way it is, man, because we all know, like, relationships really are hard, right? But this isn't about marriage. This is just about relationships in general, relationships with friends and coworkers and neighbors and even your kids. We would say, yes, relationships are important, but they're also really really hard. In fact, some of you, you think about friendships in your life, and maybe the thought that might pop into your head is the image of a revolving door. Because when you think back about friendships over the course of your life, yeah, you've had a lot of people walk into your life as your friends, but you've also had a lot of people who walked right out of your life for one reason or for another. Why? Because relationships, they are really, really hard. For some of you, you don't envision a revolving door as much as you envision a closed door with a couple of locks and a deadbolt on it. But because when you think about friendships in your life, you kind of think, man, I haven't had a lot of friends in my life. 
I don't even know if I've ever had a best friend in my life. I've had people in my life that I've spent time with, people that I have fun with, but when I think about whether or not those are people who really love me, regardless of what they see in me, I don't know if I can really say I've had that. I don't know if I can really say that I've had people that I absolutely could depend on. In fact, really, I feel like the people in my life are the people who, if they had a better offer, they would probably cancel their plans with me so that they could go do something else with someone else. And so, yeah, you've got people that you've hung out with, but you haven't had true friends in your life because relationships are really, really hard. Sometimes the problem is you. Sometimes the problem is with them. But I would say today that the problem almost all of the time is with a little bit of both of you. There's an old poet whose name was Reiner Maria Rilke who once wrote, to love another human being is perhaps the most difficult of all our tasks. So I want you to think about that for just a second. Out of all the things on your task list, out of everything that is required of you in life or even at work, maybe the most difficult thing in your whole life is the challenge of loving another human being. And so again, relationships are really, really important, but they're also really, really hard. Expectations aren't met. Disappointments are real. You either don't like conflict or you're not very good at conflict, which ends up meaning that issues don't get discussed and they certainly don't get resolved, all of which ends up meaning that relationships, they don't last or you don't have relationships at all. And this is why I really do believe that every single one of us in the room today, we need some relationship goals in our life. So last week, Jeremy gave you a relationship goal. The goal that he gave you was this idea of you becoming the kind of person who is always adding value to the lives of other people. As I listened to that message, just personally, I sat there and I thought to myself, man, when I get better, my relationships get better. Or to say it like this, if I want better friendships, then I have to be a better friend. And I'm not the one who gets to determine what that looks like. Because the truth is, I can be self-absorbed. I can be self-seeking. I can be really selfish in the way that I think. And so can the people that I'm in relationship with, which is what makes relationships so, so challenging. So when we let God define what the relationship and friendship is supposed to look like, I become a far better friend because I become the kind of person who actually adds value to the lives of other people. So last week, Jeremy told you there are five things that you can do to add value to the lives of other people. Some of those things are really, really easy, and some of those things were really, really hard, but they all give us clarity in terms of what it should really look like for us to be a better friend so that we can enjoy better relationships. Today, I want to build on that thought by giving you another relationship goal. And again, it's one of those goals that will make you better. And as a result, it will make your relationships a whole lot better. This is what Paul said to a group of Christians living in the first century city of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. He said, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, 
to acknowledge, it's a really important word we're going to spend some time on today, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Now, in this cluster of verses, these two verses that we're in today, same two verses that Jeremy was in last week, Paul is spending a lot of time talking about our relationships with one another. In the text Jeremy was in last week, verses 14 and 15, he basically says there are some things that you can do to be a better friend. This week in verses 12 and 13, he says there are some people that you need in your life so that you can be a better person. Now, why do you need to be a better person? Why do you need to be a better person when it comes to the relationships that you have? You need to understand that part of the relationship problems that you have in your life can be traced back to you. Part of the relationship problems that I have in my life can be traced right back to me. And so I so want you to get this today. I want you to actually look at the person sitting next to you right now. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, I hate to tell you, but you are part of the problem. Go ahead. Like, like tell them. Like, we're going to put it up on the screen. I hate to tell you, but you are part of the problem. Now, come down. some of you said that with way too much conviction, all right? Like, you said it like you meant it, man. <laughs> right? This is so, so important for us to understand. So let me help you think about it like this. If you have a problem with Todd, and you have a problem with Joellen, and you have a problem with Dwight, and you have a problem with Patty, and you have a problem with John, and you have a problem with Jenny, guess what? The problem is with you because you are the only common denominator in every single one of those relationships. And I'm just telling you, all of us struggle here. We all need to accept the fact that we are part of the problem in the relationship struggles that we have. This is why Paul said at the end of verse 13, you guys need to learn how to, what did he say? To live in peace with each other. Sometimes the problem is with them, but sometimes, every time, part of the problem can be traced back to you. They may get a majority of the pie, but you always get a sliver of the pie. You always get at least 10% of the responsibility because it always takes two to tango. That's right. You cannot have relationship and you cannot have conflict without two people participating in the relationship with one another. And so you have to take ownership for your part in the problem. And you've got to commit to working on you. And the Apostle Paul is going to suggest to us this morning, you're never going to get where you need to be without a spiritual leader in your life. The Apostle Paul absolutely believes that you need someone in your life who can help you work through your issues. You need someone in your life who can help you see your blind spots. You need someone in your life who can confront you when you need to be confronted. You need someone in your life who can help you grow in self-awareness. 
Now, Paul does not have a title for these people anywhere in this passage. He doesn't call them pastors, elders, ministers, preachers. He doesn't use a title because it's not so much about an office in the church. It's not really even about a specific person in the church. But we all need someone in our life who can care for us and who can do the things for us that Paul is going to describe today. So we go back to what Paul says in verse 12. And he starts by saying, you have to acknowledge those who work hard among you. Or I'll say it like this. You have to acknowledge someone as the spiritual leader in your life. It doesn't work if I come to you and say, hey, I see some issues in your life that need to be addressed. So I have self-appointed me to be the spiritual leader in your life. You're going to bow up. You're going to be resistant. You're going to say, who died and made you king? Like, Like it's not going to work. And so it starts by accepting the fact that the ball is in your court. You have to acknowledge that you need a spiritual leader in your life. This is so important. In fact, if you were to read this book from cover to cover, what you would discover is that God is always acknowledging the fact that his people need a spiritual leader in their life. And he is appointing who that leader is. And so you can go back to the very beginning of the book. You would see toward the beginning, a story about the Israelites who were actually leaving slavery in Egypt. What's the first thing that God does as they begin this new journey and this new chapter in their life? He acknowledges and appoints a spiritual leader to his people. And his name was Moses. As Moses is leading the people, they're going and things are growing. The day comes when there are too many people and there are too many problems and Moses can't keep up. Thankfully, Moses had a spiritual leader in his life. Do you know who it was? It was his father-in-law. Now, I would not encourage you to make your father-in-law the spiritual leader in your life. But let me tell you something. His father-in-law was able to look in his life and go, there's too many people. There's too many problems. You can't keep up. And so you're neglecting something that is very, very important, namely my daughter. Okay. And so either you solve the problem or I'm going to solve the problem for you, Moses. And he was going to whip that boy into shape. Okay. Why? Because Moses had a spiritual leader in his life, someone who he sat under their authority. And when they saw a problem, they weren't afraid to address the problem with him. So what does Moses do? In Exodus chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, he's looking at all of these people and he says, you know what? I got a spiritual leader in my life. They need a spiritual leader in their life. Listen to what the text says in verses 20 and 21. Moses' father-in-law is telling him, Moses, your job is to teach them God's decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them, acknowledge them as officials, Over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. What is Moses being told to do? He's saying you need to acknowledge spiritual leaders who can help lead the people during this season of their life. The day comes when Moses dies. What happened after Moses died? God said, I got a new leader for my people. And he acknowledged that this guy Joshua would be the new leader of his people. 
when Saul was failing in his responsibilities as king, God said, I got a new leader for my people. His name is going to be David. And God acknowledged that David would be the new leader of his people, even while David was still a little boy. When Jesus in the New Testament goes to establish the church, what did Jesus do? He appointed and acknowledged that Peter would be the new spiritual leader of the early church and of God's people. All of this happens over and over throughout the scriptures because if leadership isn't established, then leaders can't lead and people won't follow. When you look at this pattern throughout the scriptures, one thing is clear. God always works through leaders. Think back to your own life for a minute. Think about a time in your life when you experienced a tremendous amount of growth. I'm not even talking about spiritual growth, any kind of growth. Chances are you had a teacher, you had a coach, you had a boss, you had a scoutmaster, you had a leader at work who invested in you, and because of their investment in you, you experienced growth in ways that you would have never experienced it on your own. Why? Because God works through other people in our lives. God works through leaders. And so you have to acknowledge who you want to be the spiritual leader in your life so that when they see a problem in you, they can address the problem with you because you gave them permission to do so. These people need to be able to do three things in your life. Paul talks about them all. They need to work hard among you, They need to care for you in the Lord, and they need to admonish you. I want to talk about all three of those. In a church like Mosaic, there are a lot of people who could serve as a spiritual leader in your life. We have pastors and staff members. We have people who are called elders as spiritual leaders in our church. We have community group leaders. We have recovery group leaders. We have small group leaders in Mo Kids in our student environments. We also have people who serve as mentors. All in all, I would say there are a couple of hundred spiritual leaders that you could look to in your life, and they do the very things that Paul is talking about here in verses 12 and 13. First, Paul says they should be people who work hard among you. Now, I really want to focus on that word among, okay? These are people who are living life with you. These are people who see you on a very regular basis so that they know when something is a little bit off in you. These are people who know you and they've seen you when things are going well but they've also seen you when things are not going well. They've seen it all in you. They've seen the good. They've seen the bad. They've seen the ugly. They know you well enough to know when something is a little off, and they know you well enough to know when you're lying to them because they're living life among you. They've got a real relationship with you because of the amount of time that they spend with you. Okay, so in my own life, I've got a buddy named Adam. Adam was in our last service. Adam and I, we spend a significant amount of time together, and Adam knows me really, really well. And so Adam came by a few months ago, said, hey, I'm dropping by the church. I left a book in your office. I need you to bring it out to me when I get there. I said, great, just text me when you get here. And so he pulled into the back parking lot, said, I'm here. I grabbed the book. I walked out. 
gave him his book. We talked for a few minutes, okay? While we were sitting there talking, he said, where's your truck? And, and I said, well, Sam turned 16 not long ago, so I gave Sam my truck. He looks around the parking lot. He sees a car where I usually park. It's a Jeep. It's got a temporary tag on it. He says, is that yours? And I said, yeah, that's, that's my Jeep. I picked it up a couple of weeks ago. He looked at the Jeep and he looked at me. He said, you're driving that and you lost a lot of weight in the last year. Look me in the eye and tell me right now if you have a girlfriend. <laughs> I looked him in the eye and said, dude, I got one woman at home running my life. I got another woman at work that runs my life. I do not need a third woman in my life. I do not have a girlfriend in my life, right? But Adam knows me well enough to know that if he's lost a lot of weight, if he's driving a new ride, and he's a middle-aged man, there's a question that needs to be asked, and he was not afraid to ask it. And let me tell you something, I need a man like that in my life. And you need someone like that in your life as well. Someone who's not afraid to ask you the tough questions when something doesn't look quite right. And so let me ask you, Who's the spiritual leader in your life who's going to confront you when you blow up in anger? Who's the spiritual leader in your life who's going to confront you about the way that you talk to your spouse? Who's the spiritual leader in your life when you start working way too much and you're neglecting some really important things in your life and they love you enough that they're going to talk to you about it? Who's the spiritual leader in your life who's going to confront you when you're spending money recklessly and irresponsibly? See, we all need a spiritual leader in our lives who will confront us about things in our lives that could get us into a serious amount of trouble. And if you don't have a spiritual leader in your life, then problems aren't addressed. And when problems aren't addressed, bigger problems start to surface. And God doesn't want that for you. And so he says, through Paul, you need a spiritual leader in your life who will work hard among you. But then he says, they also need to care for you in the Lord. I want to point something out for you today about your life. Okay? You got a lot of people who care for you in a lot of different ways. You've got doctors that you see who care for you physically. You've got a dentist that you see who cares for your teeth. You've got a financial advisor that you see who helps care for your taxes and who helps care about your financial investments. You probably have a mechanic in your life that you see who helps take care of your vehicles. You may have a yard guy who takes care of your grass. You may have a pool guy who helps take care of your, of your pool. Right? You, we've got people in our lives who care for a lot of different things in our lives. And so if you have people that you depend on for all of these other things, don't you think you also need someone in your life who will care for you spiritually, or, or to use Paul's words, someone who will care about your relationship. They will care for you in the Lord. They will care for you on a spiritual level. Because I promise you this, your life is not going to get sideways because your grass got a little long. 
But, but your whole life could get sideways because you drifted spiritually. You neglected your relationship with Jesus. And gradually over the course of time, you became someone that you do not want to be. How about your kids, for those of you who are parents? I mean, you spend a lot of time taking them to things like sports camp so that someone can develop them athletically. You spend time taking them to a tutor, getting them someone to coach them up on how to take the ACT so that you can prepare them and develop them academically. And so my question for all of the parents is this, do you invest as much in them spiritually as you invest in them athletically or academically? See, we all need a spiritual leader in our lives and not just someone who speaks to the masses on the weekends, but someone who actually works hard among us during the week to care for us and to care about what is happening in our lives on a spiritual level. And when you find that person who will care for you in the Lord, when you acknowledge them as the spiritual leader in your life and you invite them into your life for this kind of relationship, you need to know that you are giving them permission to admonish you. This is the last thing that Paul talks about. That word admonish means to correct. In essence, you are giving them the green light to correct you when you are wrong. And all of us are wrong far more often than we would like to admit. And so you're giving them permission to correct you when your theology is wrong. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't don't say those kinds of things because that's not what the Bible teaches about God. That's not who God is. You're giving them permission to correct you when you are morally in the wrong. Man, you can't do those kinds of things. You, You can't treat people that kind of way. You're giving them permission to correct you when you are relationally in the wrong. Listen, you can't talk to your wife that way. You you can't talk to your husband that way. It's going to destroy your relationship with one another. You give them the green light to admonish you or to correct you when you're wrong in a way that suggests, I want to actually live under your authority. In fact, the Bible, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, actually says a lot about living under the authority of a spiritual leader in your life. Listen to what the author says. Have confidence in your leadership. And here's the word we all hate. (laughs) Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account for the work that they do. So so there are people who are supposed to be over our lives that that are going to give an account, that are going to have to answer to God for how they led you spiritually. And our job is to actually live under and even submit to their authority. And I think that right there is the rub for most of us that that keeps us from having a relationship like the one that we're talking about today, because none of us really like the idea of authority. And we hate the idea of having to submit to someone else. In fact, I think that's kind of who we are as a nation. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate what? Not July 4th, Independence Day. And Independence Day is the day on the calendar where we celebrate the fact that we successfully rebelled against an authority so that we could have our independence and so that we could enjoy our freedom. 
And I think as a people, we are people who love our freedom. We love our independence and we really don't like the idea of authority. But I want you to understand something today. I want you to understand that not all authority figures are good. I'll give you that. But I also want you to acknowledge that not all authority figures are bad either. See, I think that in America right now, there is so much corruption in leadership that that we kind of have embraced what we might call an anti-authoritarian movement because we believe somehow that, that authority is either illegitimate or it's totally corrupt. And so we don't really need any kind of authority in our lives. And that's a very dangerous way to think. And I would say it's simply not true. The scriptures teach that there is no authority except that which God has established. So not all authority is illegitimate. There's a lot of very legitimate God-established authority in the world today. But scripture also talks about how those who are in authority, they need to meet a certain standard of qualification. And what's really interesting when you look at the scriptures and you think about, well, what does scripture say about the qualifications of leadership? It's not so much about competence as much as they focus on character. So go back to Exodus chapter 18, where Moses is being told by his father-in-law to appoint people into positions of spiritual leadership and authority. And what did he say about those people? He said they need to fear God. They need to be trustworthy and they need to hate dishonest gain. All of that is about a person's character. It really doesn't say anything about their competence. There's a small piece in there about competence. Some leaders are capable of leading thousands. Some are only capable of leading hundreds. Some are only capable of leading 50. And some are only capable of leading 10. But the overwhelming emphasis in that passage is they have to have great character. You see the same thing in the New Testament in passages like 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1. Both passages that are talking about the qualifications of spiritual leaders in our lives, both of which emphasize a tremendous amount of attention on the importance of character. Why? It's because you won't submit to someone's authority if you can't trust their character. Nor should you. You don't need to submit to someone's authority unless they have impeccable and godly character. But when we follow God's plan, there can be a a kind of authority over our lives that actually helps us get better so that in turn, all of our relationships get a whole lot better. We become better people. And as a result, we become better friends. And so as we wrap it up this morning, I want to give you another relationship goal. In week one, Jeremy's goal for you was to become the kind of person who adds value to the lives of others every single day. I hope you did that all last week. I hope you'll do it again all next week and every other week in your life. But for this week, I want to give you a new new goal. Do life with other believers so that you can find a spiritual leader who adds value to your life. If you haven't heard anything else in this series, I hope you hear this. This series is teaching us that you need other people, but other people also need you. This is part of God's plan. And yes, relationships are really, really hard. But they are so important that we have to learn how to get it right. This is why watching church online was okay for a season. 
But it's not okay for the long haul. Because at the end of the day, you need a man or a woman who can look you in the eye and who can challenge you to grow as a person and as a follower of Jesus Christ. These relationships are so important to us here at Mosaic Church that these relationships are actually one of our four core values here at this church. We call it community. And what we believe here at Mosaic is that every single person in their life needs to be living in community. We believe that people grow when they sit in circles rather than just sitting in rows. And so what we do from the very earliest of ages, we put every single person in this church in a group. So right now, if you were to walk into Mo Kids, you would see that all of those kids are sitting in circles. They're not sitting in rows. They're sitting in groups with a spiritual leader in their life. Because we want students who are very, very young, even in elementary school, to grow up with this big idea that they need a spiritual leader in their life so that they can become all that God wants them to be. It's why we do groups in middle school ministry. It's why our high school students meet in homes throughout our community so that they're sitting in circles with a spiritual leader over their life because I believe that students between the ages of 12 and 18 are going to make decisions that will affect them for the rest of their life. And I believe that they need a spiritual leader in their life who can talk to them about those decisions before those decisions are made. It's why if you were to walk into our recovery group ministry, you would see that they are sitting in circles with a spiritual leader in their life because we want people who are battling addictions to always hear from their spiritual leader that addiction is giving up everything for one thing, but recovery is giving up one thing for everything, right? We need relationships with one another. Some days, People need you, and other days, you need other people. And it's why we have to take these relationship goals really, really seriously. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word and for the way that you challenge us. I know that in a message like today, it makes all the sense in the world. But I also know that a message like today, our minds can be filled with all kinds of excuses. Maybe because we don't like the idea of authority. Maybe because... We're a little spiritually lazy. Maybe because we look at our lives and our schedules are so packed already, we just can't find the space and the time to squeeze someone else in to our busy schedules. God, I'm sure there are a million reasons or excuses as to why we could live life without a spiritual leader. But I pray, God, that your spirit would so impress on us the importance of this issue that we would seek out a spiritual leader in our lives. No more excuses pursuing real progress to become all that you want us to be. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.